Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-14. through 14. In this passage, we meet a guy by the name of Naaman. Naaman is a commander of the army of the king of Syria. He's a great man. He's very well respected, a man of valor. And in the ancient world, he's a guy of great status. But even though he has status, he probably has means, he has money. He's a guy that's stricken with leprosy. And so here we have a guy that's at the height and the zenith of power, but we find out the frailty of humanity. And we can identify with this. And we as human beings, uh, things could be going great. We could be doing well in our jobs. We could be well-established, well-respected in one visit to the doctor's office and we get a diagnosis that could bring us to our knees in just a second. So we understand the human condition and the frailty of humanity. And what's really awesome about this story, many scholars look at this and we get an up-close and personal, really even a psychological profile of this guy who comes to faith in God. We have an Old Testament conversion story. Think of a person coming to faith. We think of conversion only something we see in the New Testament. But conversion happens in the Old Testament. Think about all along the way of God's people and His covenant promises. Along those major covenant markers, there are always pagans or Gentiles that enter the story of God. And here we have a pagan or a Gentile entering God's story once again. We will see salvation come to Naaman. Matter of fact, we're going to see a precursor a typological connection to Christian baptism. So let's look at uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-14. through 14. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because of him. The Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I a God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of this leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that I would surely come out, or he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and far, far the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But a servant came near and said to him, 
My father, is it a great word the prophet has spoken to you? Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. This story is fascinating for so many different reasons. First of all, here's a guy. He's not an Israelite. He's from neighboring, neighboring Syria. And it just so happens that this young slave girl, this Israelite girl, remembers the great deeds of Elisha. And she informs her master that, you know, in Israel there's a great prophet that can cure him of his leprosy. So Elisha already has notoriety as a miracle, worship, uh, miracle worker. We know that Elisha will work double the miracles that Elijah worked. Remember, he asked for a double portion of the Spirit of God, and he will work double the miracles that Elijah worked. There's also a lot of similarity in the miracles of Elisha and the miracles of Jesus. And we'll talk about that in another day. But he goes to Israel. The, the king of Syria sends him with a letter to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel is rightfully upset, and he's thinking, why in the world have you sent this man to me to have him healed? The king of Israel knows he doesn't have the power to heal Naaman. He thinks maybe the king is spoiling for a fight. Maybe he's using this as a ploy to start a war with Israel. So the king of Israel is distraught with this letter. But Elisha gets word and Elisha lets the king know, hey, I can take care of this. Send him to me. I can heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman comes to the prophet Elisha. He comes with pomp and circumstance. He realizes that you know, he is the captain of the Syrian guard. He is a man of, of great notoriety. And so he'll come with pomp and circumstance and expect to be treated as a dignitary. But what's interesting is Elisha will not see him at all. This holy man of God acts as if he doesn't have time for Elisha or for Naaman. And so instead of talking to Naaman himself, he sends his servant out to speak to him and to add injury to insult. Elisha says, listen, here's how I'm going to heal you or how you'll be healed. Go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. And the reaction of Naaman is telling, Naaman who is arrogant and proud. We see him say, you know, I thought you would come out. You would wave your hand over me, do some grand gesture. And then you're sending me this nasty, muddy river of Israel. Our, our rivers back home are much better in Damascus. And so he has this haughty, prideful attitude. But thanks be to God, he has a good advisor, someone that could speak truth to him. And his servant says, listen, is this too much what this guy's asked you to do? He's told you, you could be made well. And so he relents and goes down to the Jordan River and he washes seven times. He's healed of his leprosy. You see, we witnessed this conversion take place. Later in this chapter, you'll hear the other readings throughout this week. Later in this chapter, you're going to see a transformation in Naaman. Naaman has become humble. Naaman realizes that the God of Israel is the true God of the world. He'll take some earth from Israel back home with him so he can worship the Lord of Israel. Now that may seem strange to you, but in that time period, the land meant something. That gods, in some sense, that were understood to be territorial with a nation. And so Naaman had an ancient understanding of the God of Israel being the God over that territory. So he wants to take a little piece of home back with him a piece of Israel back home with him. So he's healed. And the healing happens because of humility. This haughty, proud man becomes humble and submits himself to the will of God. 
Now, early church fathers, especially the ones that, that appear early in church history and the ones I take a lot of stock in are the second century fathers. These are the early Christians that lived in the time period right after the apostles. Now, what's really cool about these guys, now they're not inspired, and I'm not saying every one of their understandings is correct, but you get a really good picture of what the early Christians believed. They didn't have a language barrier. They spoke Greek. They read Greek. So they could read the New Testament documents in their native native language. They didn't have to go to seminary to receive training in Greek. They also lived in that culture. The second century is very similar to the first century. So they lived in the cultural milieu of that time. They spoke the language. And, and some of these guys had an indirect connection to the apostles. For example... Irenaeus knew Polycarp, and Polycarp knew the Apostle John. And Irenaeus talks about this story of Naaman. Now listen to what he says. I find this fascinating. This is a quote from Irenaeus around 190 AD. And Naaman dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. It was not for nothing that Naaman of old, when suffering from leprosy, was purified upon being baptized. But this served as an indication for us. For as we are lepers in sin, we are made clean by means of the sacred water and the invocation of the Lord from our transgressions, being spiritually regenerated as newborn babes, even as the Lord has declared, except a man be born again through water and the Spirit, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The early church fathers connected this story with baptism, and I think rightfully so. We have this idea of a person that is humbled in Naaman, he's being converted, and he comes to the waters of the Jordan River, so to speak. In the same sense, in our conversion, we become humbled like little children, as Jesus told us to, to be, and to totally submit ourselves to the will of God. And there's no thing that you'll ever do that, that's more submissive than baptism. You allow someone else to plunge you underneath the water. And what you're saying in your baptism is that old person has died. It's been crucified with Christ. I've humbled myself. I repent of my old ways. And what baptism is saying to the world, it's saying so almost like a, an action that speaks words. It says to the world, your belief that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and he was raised. And so in baptism, you're reenacting the gospel story that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised. What a beautiful connection that Irenaeus has to the story of Naaman and our baptism. I just found that powerful, and I wanted to share that with you in today's podcast. And the early church had such an imagination. They saw so many connections of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we've lost those, I believe, to our detriment. So I commend this story to you, the story of Naaman, to look at it as a conversion of a person coming to the true God of Israel. And he comes humbly and he comes through in a sense the Old Testament waters of baptism. And we submit ourselves to Jesus. We humble ourselves and we come to the waters of baptism. And we're saying to the world that old person has died and now we're made new in Christ. Well, I hope you have a great day. I hope this day you reflect back to your baptism and how special that was to you. And reflect back on that and just the beauty and, and the wonder of what God did to us on the day that we came to him in humility. Well, tomorrow, hope you join Devin. Uh, he's got a great podcast already. 
in store for you as we continue in this passage of 2 Kings chapter 5. God bless. Thank you.